0: Hello, my name is Ishan Rolla, and welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. On this podcast, we provide a platform for people to share their stories, perspectives, and thoughts on a wide range of public issues. This week, we have a student coming to share her mental health journey throughout high school and college, how social distancing has affected her, and the importance of increasing the mental health conversation in college. Many people hide their struggles during college because everyone believes it's supposed to be the best four years of your life, right? A new episode coming right up. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So let's start at the beginning of your story, which I remember you told me that it started with when you were bullied at a very young age, right?
1: I went to a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school actually. So I just wasn't used to bullying at all. Like we were such like a close knit group of people in grade school. And just when all that started happening, I started just getting nauseous whenever I thought about being around people, especially at school, just because I wanted to avoid them. But I just didn't want to go to school in general. And then I would start crying to my parents before leaving and I would honestly I ended up refusing to like leave my room I would lock my parents out of my room and I would just scream I'm not going to school and you can't make me go and that's when it just started to really get out of hand because I ended up missing about 35 days of school in fifth grade
2: so your parents knew you were going through all that it wasn't like you made excuses to try and hide it they knew
1: no so I hid it from my parents for most of the time actually and I just kept saying like my stomach just keeps hurting when I go to school and I don't know why but if I go to school like I th- I thought I was gonna like throw up and like get sick and my parents are like realizing that that something wasn't right like no one gets that many stomach aches and throws up like going to school that much
2: yeah
1: so my mom like sat me down privately because I've always been like super close to my mom and I can open up to her about stuff and she was like what's actually going on and I just remember like breaking down I was like I'm getting bullied at school and that's really why I don't want to go and so that like started the whole thing and like my mom got in touch with the school and they figured it all out and I slowly started going back to school but um it was just like something wasn't getting better. Like I would get through the entire day, but I would just be exhausted, and I would just avoid everyone. Even like the people that bullied me, like my best friend at the time at school, I would just not talk to anyone.
2: And they still continuing to bully you after like you talked, your parents talked to the school about it.
1: No, they honestly,
2: it was pretty. Just because I think
1: because of the kind of school I went to. Like, everyone's parents knew each other. Like, the teachers knew our families. So, like, they knew to stop pretty much. Mm -hmm. But I still, like, avoided them. They didn't really talk to me anymore. I wasn't really talking to anyone. And I knew still, like, something just wasn't right. So my mom took me to a psychiatrist eventually. And um, she diagnosed me with social anxiety, which was something I dealt with only until about, like, sixth grade, and then I stopped seeing a therapist for that. But, like, the issues of depression and just general anxiety didn't really start until, like, my eighth grade year.
2: Okay, so the anxiety came first then?
1: Yeah, just in, like, the social aspect of it. Like, it would only be around when I was around, like, crowds of people, especially at Mm -hmm. school, when I would get anxiety
2: symptoms. Yeah. And was it, like was it like you know would you like constantly think about like what you were saying and how people would perceive you and like what was going through your mind as you're in these social situations
1: um I would just think still that like people were always judging me and that like I wasn't good enough for any of the people that I was around so yeah. I would just constantly like worry about what they were thinking I always saw that they were secretly judging me so I ended up just like Wanting to avoid social situations in general.
2: Mhm. And I remember you were telling me that, um, like you felt that you know you would feel alone even though you had friends. Um, did you think your friends would judge you, or like why do you think that there was a wall between you and your friends where, you know, you felt like you couldn't relate with them?
1: Um. Yeah. So, like in my eighth grade year, when is when I had like my real like depression, anxiety symptoms started to flare up again. And that was probably like one of like the worst moments probably that I've gone through in life. But for that, I just felt like my friends didn't actually like want to be friends for me. Like I just kept telling oh. myself that they want to be like friends with me because they feel bad for me. And they like, no, I don't have anyone else. So I never thought that like they were my true friends, which was something mm-hmm. that was like really hard because I mean, they definitely were actually my friends, but, like, anxiety was telling me that they hated me, and they just were, like, feeling bad for me. So I always felt, like, super alone, and I felt like I couldn't reach out to them without getting judged or anything.
2: You kind of pushed them away.
1: Yeah, definitely. I did not, like, have that many friends by then just because I didn't want to talk to anyone. And um, people didn't, like, give up on me, but they just knew I wasn't going to that good of a friend to them just because I was not even being like a good person to myself
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the only like my best friend to all of grade school was my cousin actually and yeah. she was like the one person that like stuck around and I ended up like opening up to her which was really helpful and helped me actually like get through the rest of my grade year and go on to high school because she also went to the same high school as me
2: yeah. and it
1: was nice to know that she was there and like knew what I was going through because I wasn't really opening up to anyone else about anything.
2: Gotcha. Do you think it was so difficult to open up because of the stigma around mental health or just because there's not a conversation? You know, because I've heard like there's a lot of, you know, there's some students in high school, middle school, and it's just people don't believe that it's depression or anything. It's just kind of like a sadness phase. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I don't know.
1: It was really hard for me to open up just because – and, like, how I grew up. I – like I said, I went to a Catholic grade school, middle school, and an all-girl Catholic high school. So – and when I started feeling, like, suicidal in the eighth grade year, that's – I also felt really alone because in, like, the Catholic religion, suicide is a sin, and, like, it's just not talked about at all. So yeah, I was like, I don't want to bring this up to anyone because – they're going to judge me and they're going to think I'm like sinning or whatever.
2: So that's definitely like, you just, it's not your fault, but essentially the way it seems like it makes you feel bad about yourself. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did like just because I was like, why am I feeling like this? I just felt like I was super different than everyone else I was going to school with and interacting with. And, I was hesitant on telling my parents how I felt when I first start felt the depression aspect come into my life because my like mom is more on the religious side, just on the aspect that she also like grew up Catholic her entire life and grew up with those morals. But it was especially hard to tell my dad because he I'm the only girl in my family, and my brothers never dealt with anything like this. So my dad just was like, had no idea how to really deal with it, which was partly my fault because I would just close up and not even try to tell him anything. But yeah, it was really difficult to just open up in general about how I was feeling. And it's something sometimes I still struggle with today because I don't like admitting if I'm like, um, I feel myself struggling again or anything. I just feel like it's something I've grown up with at this point.
2: Yeah. The, one question I was curious about was, you know, I'm sorry you went through all of like the bullying at a young age, but if you hadn't gotten bullied, do you think you wouldn't have suffered with it or do you think it would have come eventually?
1: I think probably it would have came eventually still just because when I started feeling depressed and anxious my eighth grade year, um it wasn't anything to do with that like I wasn't even thinking about how I got bullied I just would ke- keep waking up and I just like wouldn't even want to get out of bed and I lost all interest in activities I used to do like yeah. I used to take voice lessons in eighth grade and I just wanted to stop them and like I used to love this thing my mom was like like what is, what's going on and I was like I just don't want to do anything anymore and I played soccer and volleyball and I, I hated going to practice and I just didn't want to do anything except like stay in my room and yeah. just lay there.
2: So when was the moment you decided to take action about this? Cause it seemed to be affecting a lot of stuff in your life at that point.
1: Yeah, definitely when I started having more solid suicidal thoughts that came more frequently. So that was when I was about 13 or 14. I know I was in eighth grade and it wasn't any, like, solid plans. Like, I didn't have, like, an actual plan on what to do, but I just kept thinking about it. I kept thinking, like, oh, I don't want to even, like, live anymore. Like, these feelings are never going to go away. Like, I was like, my family is probably so tired of dealing with me because I was definitely causing a lot of stress on my parents and my three older brothers. So yeah. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And just one night I was like, It was probably, like, I just started breaking down, and, like, I realized how real the feelings were about wanting to, like, die and not be on this earth anymore. And I was like, I don't actually want to die, but, like, I don't – I want these to stop. So I went into my brother Zach's room, who was – who is eight years older than me, and he was still living at home at the time. And I just was like, I want to kill myself, and I don't know what to do. And he, of course, like flipped out and w- my parents were sleeping and woke up my parents and the police act, The my brother actually ended up calling the police just oh. because, yeah, he was very worried about me and yeah. they came to my house and they pretty much said like, we can either take you to a hospital or you can, or my mom had a pra- promise she would take me to like therapy, like the next day, and my, she would sleep with me in my bedroom, so Mm -hmm. she agreed to take me to therapy, like, the next day, and that's the, then I saw that therapist until I was a senior in high school, actually, so I saw her for about, like, five and a half years, and so she's been through me, with me, like, through
2: everything, pretty much. Did your uh, therapist prescribe you anything, or was it just group lessons?
1: Yeah, so... At first, it was more, like, more, um, I she gave me, like, a bunch of worksheets I had to fill out, like, whenever I had suicidal thoughts again, or I would, mm-hmm. like, rate my feelings, like, all that kind of stuff. But then that started, like, those feelings started to go away, but the depression was still, like, there, and she would, like, give me strategies on how to deal with it better, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, like, doing enough for me. Yeah. So she first talked to me was like would you be willing to go on a antidepressant and like I said I was only like 14 at this time I didn't really know that much about them so I was like yeah because I just wanted to feel better at this point point. Yeah. and then she had to talk to my mom about it obviously because I was still a minor and mm-hmm. my mom said yeah like she was the one that actually like pursued me to get on it because my mom was like I just wanted to see her happy again, and I don't know, like, how else that's going to happen.
2: That's so, heartbreaking, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I went on Zoloft, and I actually still take it today.
2: Yeah. So Zoloft, I heard it had, like, the first few weeks, it kind of messes with their hormones. How did you react? Or did you um, take some time? I, yeah, I had a few
1: symptoms. So I wouldn't say was my hormones, per se, I had really bad stomach aches for, like, the first couple of weeks. And like to the point of where I was like almost like getting sick and that I would get really bad headaches
2: mm-hmm.
1: from it. But it wasn't anything like too, too bad. It was just, I wasn't really used to it. And it's the kind of medicine where you have to increase the dose like little by little so your body yeah. can get used to it. And um, by the time I was on like the max dose, I didn't really feel the symptoms anymore but yeah. it was definitely more physical symptoms for me, which I kind of had a hard time getting used to because I never, like, refused to take it. I would just get mad that I would have to take it because of that. And mm-hmm. I was also, like, telling myself, like, this just proves how different you are than everyone else, that you have to take a medicine to, like, make your brain work normally. So I was just, like, having a fighting battle about the medication for a while. Yeah.
2: yeah. Man, that's rough. I Yeah. It kind of sucks that, like, the, the thing that helps you, you still constantly, like, you know, self-criticize yourself. Yeah. Um, so I've heard that other people use the exercises they do in therapy outside of it, and you said that that didn't really help mm-hmm. as much? They, like,
1: so it was exercises more like deep breathing exercises that was more towards my anxiety, So if I was in, like, a situation, because in high school I would get panic attacks sometimes, and every time I got a panic attack, it would, like, make me throw up. And, like, I would get them anywhere, even if I was in public. And once they started happening, I was like, well, I am about, like, 30 seconds before I'm going to throw up, so where can I go? And that caused even more stress for me because it was like I want to go places, but what if I get a panic attack? And what am I going to do? Because I don't want to get sick in front of all these people and, or like not be able to find somewhere. So it was, she helped me with those a lot by like deep breathing exercises where she would like make Mm -hmm. me focus on one thing in front of me and like take five deep breaths, which they did help. Like I would still have the panic attack, but it wouldn't cause like the physical symptom of throwing up as much. So that did help me a lot, actually, mm-hmm. through that. But some of the other, like, things, they were just hard to do in public. Like, she uh, once wanted me to, like, meditate and stuff, which is, I do that, like, when I'm alone. But I, that's more for, like, my depression. And that yeah. just got hard to do in, like, college because, I don't know, my life's kind of hectic in college. Like, everyone's, like, I'm yeah, super medicine, busy all the time.
2: <laughs> meditating and I can't is just... super hard.
1: I can't always just, like, meditate. So yeah. I have started to rely more on the medicine aspect, which has – I've learned to, like, love, like, taking off because I know how much it helps me.
2: That's awesome because I know a lot of people are just scared of, like, you know, what can happen. Like, you hear all these, like, random myths about, like, oh, it's going to mess with your thing. But it helps a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So – well, I was curious, how does your anxiety and depression work hand in hand? Like, do they, are they independent of each other or do they kind of, you know, compound sometimes?
1: Um, they definitely, I've noticed that my depression will get worse if my anxiety worsens. Like, I, my anxiety caused me to overthink about pretty much everything. And especially about like friendships and relationships, like I have a very hard time um, accepting the fact that someone, like a friend or like someone I'm interested in, like does like, like me for who I am. And I find myself always second-guessing, like, do they actually like me? Like, they're going to drop me. Like, my friends don't actually like me, which has gone better, but I still struggle with it. And once those thoughts are happening, which get me, like, really, like, anxious, my depression will plummet because I'm like – I'm alone like people don't like me like so it's definitely once my anxiety like goes high I feel like my depression also just like really rises and mm-hmm. so it's that's always a constant battle that I work with in therapy on how to deal with the anxiety first so the depression doesn't start if that makes sense
2: that makes sense that makes sense yeah when when you're with your friends, do you still have that wall where you can't – it's hard to talk to them about this or um, you kind of feel like they're only your friends because of the hard times? Even though that might um, not that, – that's definitely not true, but, you know.
1: I – so, honestly, once I got to college, I am really lucky. And I – when I first met the group of friends I have now, I did think that. I was like, they are not going to be my friends for that long once they realized like who I am which is I do like suffer with these this mental illness and I remember I opened up to my best friend Julia who's still my best friend today and I told her everything and she was so supportive and she's still so supportive today and I can just text her now and be like hey I'm having a really bad day and she will FaceTime me and just like get me out of it so I'm just, like, really thankful for the friends I have now in college because they're starting to, like, teach me that people can like me and I'm not, like, that different from everyone. So Mm -hmm. I feel like Ohio State and the people I've met through Ohio State has, like, allowed me to slowly learn that um, people can like me for who I am, even if I do struggle with stuff. And I've met a lot of people that also struggle with stuff. At Ohio yeah. State and that's helped me so much more too, which I am so thankful for.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. I'm really happy yeah. you have that. Social support is like super, super important.
1: Yeah, it uh, is, yeah. especially during
2: college. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, you know, after you opened up your brother about that and you got yeah. this you got therapist, um, mm-hmm. how's your mental health progressed?
1: Um, so After that initial time, for a while, it was, like, not really getting better, and that was more just because I think I was just hitting such a rock bottom that part of me was, like, not wanting to take all the work it would take to, like, get myself out of it because I knew how much work it was going to be, and I was also trying to juggle getting ready to transition to high school at that point, going to, like, an all-girls school Um, and I just didn't really know how to feel
2: and I knew I had
1: to deal with that and also with my
2: mental illness, but yeah, it's going to be a large change. It must've been a large change. Yeah.
1: So it took like, I went to therapy like once a week for a, a while for like probably two years and she, I just talked to her about everything and she brought my family in sometimes, which helped a lot because I had a hard time, like, admitting, especially to, like, my dad, because, like, I love my dad, like, we're so close, but he expects a lot from me, just because I got really good grades in high school and in middle school, and he just, I don't think he ever saw this coming for me, and I, that caused me to, like, shut him out completely for a while, because I didn't want to, like, tell him anything, and I thought he wouldn't relate, so it took that was a really hard part for my mental health progressing for a while because I really only relied on my mom. And it took, a, like, a lot of, like, my dad going into sessions with me to realize that, like, he understands what I'm going through too and it's not fair to me to, like, shut him out. So that helped me a lot starting going to high school to, like, realize I had um, parents that also loved me and supported me. Yeah. But um,
2: – it's just difficult because I've talked to a lot of people where that general gap is it's hard because it's, it's technically not their fault, you know, even though they yeah. might not understand because they just, it's not something they have to deal with. Um, like speaking from an Asian culture, I know that a lot of parents just don't understand what mental health is like at all. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: That's exactly. And like I said, like my brother's, all my are all older than me and they didn't have anything like this. So it was just like a smack in the face. I feel like, especially for my dad, because he was like, no idea this was like going to happen. Yeah. So that was hard. But then, like I said, it, it like my freshman year of high school, I was like doing pretty good. Like I met like a good group of friends, but then my sophomore year of high school, I started getting horrible migraines. Like, I went to Cincinnati Children's for them to get, like, a appointment or whatever. Well, what caused and these migraines? I honestly still, like, don't really know. I know part of it was I was drinking a bunch of caffeine. was just because I liked it at that time. Yeah. But also it's because of how much stress I put on myself, the mm-hmm. doctor said, because I put so much stress on myself about school and, like, always feeling like I needed to be the best at school, which wasn't true at all. So I would get about, like, 27 migraines a month. and Yeah, and that caused me – I would, like, go to school, surprisingly, still with them, but I wasn't, like, taking in any school. I would just sit there and, like, put my head on my desk and not soak in any information. So it was basically like I wasn't even at school because I wasn't doing anything. So that, once I went to the doctor for my migraines, he put me on a medicine and I can't remember the name, but I was on it for a couple of months and um, the medicines, one of the major side effects is weight loss. And mm-hmm. I lost about 25 to 30 pounds. And oh, wow. so I was down to like 80 pounds. And at that point I was like 16. So at that like, Sixteen year old girls like we care a lot about our image because that's mm-hmm. just how it is. And I was that skinny. I was going through high school and I was feeling horrible about myself at this point because I was like, I look gross. Um, I'm wow. still struggling with all this mental health stuff and I like but it was just hard for me because I would still eat the normal amount, but I just would kept losing weight and mm-hmm. And that just caused more of my depression, not my anxiety to plummet a lot because I was like, I don't look good compared to like my other friends and like, it's not how I want to look. And I, it was more just getting frustrated with myself and I started blaming myself for looking like that, even though I know it was the medicine, if that makes sense. And yeah. Like, I told my mom, because my mom noticed, like, how much weight I was losing, obviously. And so did, like, mm-hmm. my grandma and yeah. a lot of my friends. And my mom, like, said, went, took me back to the doctor about after a couple of months. And she was like, she's obviously not a healthy weight, and this is causing her to have, like, really bad thoughts about herself. Can she get on a new medicine that will help her headaches? And mm-hmm. the doctor thankfully said, yeah. And she put me on some, like, experimental medicine.
2: Yeah, and how'd
1: that working, work? I ended up working like so much better, and I gained more weight back, which was like perfect because yeah, I was at such a healthier weight, and my migraines went down to like one a month, and I'm and I ended up being able to get taken off of it, like right before entering Ohio State. So, yeah, awesome. now I'm yeah, so now I'm not on any medicines, and that was a good like boost for me because once I started gaining the weight back, I was like okay like I wasn't gonna look like that forever like it's okay like I started having like more like faith in myself that so I could like get through stuff because if that happened if I lost that much weight and had all those migraines like back in grade school like I know like it would have been so much worse than how I handled
2: it like when I was in high school yeah honestly you've gone through so much adversity at like by the time you got into college like it's incredible um,
1: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so then in college, like, how did that work?
1: So going to college, I so I started really looking into college like my junior year of high school, which I feel like is pretty normal, but I knew I wanted to get away from home. And it wasn't anything against my family or anything. I was like, I just started, like, thinking of all the experience I went through and associating it with my home. Which isn't like fair. Like my family, they didn't do anything, but I was like, I need to get away from everything that's happened to me in Cincinnati. <laughs> and,
2: yeah, that makes sense. So anywhere else, yeah. I would and,
1: like, yeah, and like get like a new life for myself because I would enter like college and no one would know like anything that's ever happened to me. So I didn't. I was gonna. I was really interested in Miami University for a while, and that was my top. And but it just wasn't far enough away for me actually so I chose Ohio State and my freshman year of college was awesome like I didn't really have any mental health problems like I didn't go to a therapist but I was still on the Zoloft
2: and what do you think caused that was it really just the environment change that you just felt like a new person almost
1: I think so because I had like a really awesome roommate and my freshman year and then I met all my best friends on my dorm floor and I could like I just felt so much more independent and like I don't know honestly but it was great and I think it was just being around people that I could tell like cared about me and I was like taking classes I was really interested in because they had to do more of my major Mm -hmm. and yeah, I was just like figuring out who I was more, and like I felt more free. And yeah, I was just like really happy. And I think also it had to do with like such a new place and like yeah. so much excitement going on. Like, I've never had any of those experiences like about anything before. So, yeah, there was always something to be excited about. So, I honestly like never, like, yeah, I had days where I was like sad and, um, I still went through, like, the basics. Like, I went through a couple um, of, like, friendship fights, but I had, like, a breakup. But nothing, like, c- triggered my depression to go out of hand, which I really thought it would have. But I, like, got through it without having to go see my therapist or
2: anything. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So what happened in up happening sophomore year? How did that all change?
1: Um. Yeah, so like my first semester of sophomore year, I I um was living in my sorority house and I like I liked it a lot, but um I realized I don't do well around that many girls <laughs> and like yeah. there was just a lot of drama and I was never involved in it, but I would walk into the house and I would just not feel as happy as I felt, like, walking into my dorm, like, the year before, and Mm -hmm. I have, like, one of my best friends, Grace, was my roommate in my sorority, and, like, I had her to talk to, but I wasn't really that close with any of the other girls, just because I didn't, like, I didn't like the sorority as much as I thought I would, basically, and, I loved, like, hanging out with Grace, but I wouldn't really want to associate with any of the other girls. So it was a lot of me, like, going to my friends who were not in my sororities, like, dorms and hanging out with them, but missing out on, like, what the girls in my sorority were doing because I chose not to hang out with them. But then I would end up still feeling left out at the house mm-hmm. because I never so wanted never, to hang out with them.
2: You never got in that community.
1: Yeah, like, I never felt the... um community aspect of the sorority and I definitely like mostly blame myself for that because I didn't put myself out there but um it was like a semester of living in the sorority house and all my best friends weren't living in the house so I was missing out on memories with them and if I went to them I missed out on memories I could have had with my sorority friends so the balance of trying to figure out like who I wanted to be sophomore year was really difficult. Like, did I want to be the sorority girl and hang out with all, like, my sorority friends? Or did I want to stay with my friends from college that met freshman year?
2: And that was, like, a
1: battle for me.
2: It's hard being, like, torn between two paths of, like, you know, something you feel like you should do versus you want to do, but what if that one thing, like, you're missing out on something? Um, Yeah. and, And then I remember you, like, you were talking about, like, How that translated to other things because, which I can relate on because I always feel like, you know, if I if I choose to make one decision, then the decision I don't make is something I could be missing out on and something that could have led to a better path. So yes, exactly. Yeah, am I making the wrong decision, sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I would always like, I would go out with my friends from college like on the weekend and. Then I would go home to my sorority house, and I would have to hear, like, how much fun they all had. And I was like, did I make the wrong decision? Like, I just was battling who I wanted to be sophomore year, which was something I didn't have to really figure out freshman year. Because all my friends, I lived right down the hall from them. Mm -hmm. And I was also taking a lot harder classes because um, I was almost done with pretty much all my gen eds at my first semester sophomore year and I was getting into harder classes. And like in high school, I didn't have to study really to get good grades and same for freshman year college. I was like kind of cruising through life, but then sophomore year happened and like, it was not the same thing at all. Like I would just get back bad grades. Like after bad grade, I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing. And I realized like, it was that constant stress of I'm not getting like the perfect GPA and what if this isn't good enough for my parents? Like what if I don't get the job that like I really want? So the stress of the future started coming at me, like stress of more like friendships start happening like my sophomore year. And then like the stress of just like more like romantic relationships, like stress Mm -hmm. started to happen to me. So I was just like, I was like, okay, like, this is getting bad again, and I called my mom, I remember one day, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I started crying, and I was like, something's like wrong again, and I don't really know what it is, and I was in Columbus, like, she can't do that much, I don't have a car um, at school, like, I was kind of stuck there, and she was like, well, what do you think it is? And I was like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I know I'm going through, like, trying to figure out, like, who to hang out with and the stress of school. But I was like, I just feel like something's off. And she was like, okay, well, you're kind of in Columbus. I'm, like, two hours away. And I ended up – it was a Friday. So somehow I ended up going home that weekend and – talking to my parents and they told me I have to go see a therapist in Columbus regularly because they didn't want it to escalate to the level it was escalating back in high school. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: I went back and I found a really good place in Columbus and I still go to her like today, like through virtual like calling or whatever.
2: Yeah. And,
1: yeah, she's that helped me a lot because I had this feeling that if I didn't get help, I was gonna get really bad again. Like something was just telling me that.
2: Did you ever try to use the OSU CCS like those resources?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I tried calling them, um, and they had about a two to two and a half month wait. And
2: oh wow, that.
1: Like, I know it's not their fault because of how big the school is, but mm-hmm. I it angered me a lot because just because mental health is something I'm super passionate about, and I know other people struggle with it, and I was just thinking, like, they obviously so many people are struggling if they have this long of a wait, so why can't they do something about it? And I know that's, like, easier said than done, but um, yeah. I was like, what if someone is going through, like, Thinking about killing themselves, and they can't get in for two months, like they can't wait
2: that long mhm like it's it's just not while I've heard that o s u does more than other institutions, it's still one therapist per over a thousand students like that's not enough, and especially we're talking about the weight gap, you know so much can happen in two to three months, and yeah. not even just like like thinking having suicidal thoughts. If you're just going having such anxious and depressive thoughts, that can affect your daily life. And three months later, you could be a whole different person.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's why, like, my mom did say I can try them first, but I told her like how long the wait was, and she was like more than willing to pay the extra to go to like a private practice, which I was super grateful for because I got to see a therapist within like the next week.
2: and, and I, I think it made a good decision.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so, and that helped me a lot. And then I got to tell my friends about what I was going through, and I told my roommate, and that actually, like, it's kind of funny, like, going through all this, it inspired both of us. We got on the exec board of Never Walk Alone, and I can, like, speak out about everything I'm going through through that quote as well.
2: That whole group chat is such a great community for people to talk with each other. Um, yeah, for sure. Really, like, I'm so happy that's there. Cause it's, just, it's such a smart idea in terms of just connecting people who can just talk with each other.
1: I know. I, didn't know, I did not know it existed, like, at all. And then I came across the Instagram page, and um, I forget who added me into the chat. And then, um, like, a couple of days later, um, Ronnie, who founded it, texted in it and said if you're interested in an exec position go to this meeting and me and my roommate were like why not like let's just do it and I went (laughs) I know and I talked to Ronnie and some of the other people and I was like I have to do this because I was like these people understand exactly what I'm going through and some of them have gone through much worse than me and I was like this makes me realize like like, I can get through it if all these people have gone through like, much worse than I have.
2: I mean, I think it's crazy that you went to one meeting. You're like, let's do it. Exactly. I, got it. Yeah, I don't know what happened.
1: I was like, I need to, I was like, this club sounds perfect for me. And somehow I got on it. I don't really know how because that was the only meeting yeah. I went to. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. I'm just going to dive right into this.
2: Yeah, it's balling. It's pretty crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. All- Thank amazing. you. Thank um, <laughs> you. But yeah, um, going back to what you were talking about in terms of, like, you know, having all these things weighing on you, um, there is something I heard that I, I'm just curious what your thoughts on it were, mm-hmm. where someone described anxiety as just dominoes, you know, while other mm-hmm. people have all these issues and they can just tackle it one at a time, for people going through anxiety, it just, like, once one topples, it just, it's, like, cascading, it just goes, and doesn't stop.
1: Oh, yeah, I... I can definitely agree with that through personal experience because I would find myself getting nervous and anxious about say school and that would start like my anxiety and then I would start thinking about everything else I was thinking about like friendships my family other relationships like how I felt about myself and then it would just like I would just get anxious then about everything and then once that happens like it's kind of hard to get out of and because you don't really know like how to deal with each thing because you're worried about all of it. And like, how do you decide which thing to actually focus your anxiety on? And most of the time I've realized through therapy, like the stuff I get anxious about is like out of my control, which is really hard for me to realize because I love um, just being like, in control of stuff and like knowing like what's going to happen in life. And the stuff yeah. I get anxious about is like stuff I, I don't have any control over and it's just hard for me to like realize that.
2: I bet especially like hindsight 2020 where you know something might go wrong and you're you would think, "Oh, if I just did this one thing, it would be fine." But I mean, you didn't know at the time, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's how like my me and my therapist deal a lot with that because She'll ask me, like, what i am worried about, and I'll say, like, through this pandemic, it's been, like, stuff about that. And she's like, well, think about it. Can you even control any of that? And I'm like, no, like, I really can't. And she's like, then what's the point of focusing all your energy on it? And I'm like, yeah, like, you're right. I mean, it's really hard to,
2: like, realize that, but um, it's really helpful to think like that. Yeah, yeah. And how does therapy work? during the pandemic do you do it virtually or do you still go to the therapist yeah so
1: it is all virtual so she'll send me a link every um week and then once it's time for my therapy appointment i just have to click it and it connects me to her through the computer it's kind of like skype and it's honestly like kind of awesome because it can it's i can do it from the comfort of my home but um I still miss like going to therapy because I feel like it's much more personal. And I decided to go to therapy in Columbus, like right before um, this all happened. So I had like my initial appointment that like made the appointment was for like how to figure out what therapist at the practice is like right for me. So I didn't see the therapist I see now. So I didn't meet my therapist. Ever in person yet? Like, I've only seen her through the
2: camera. (laughs) Yeah. Does it make it harder to talk about these things if you've never met them? Or,
1: (laughs) um, more for me, it's hard because, like, I know my parents are super respectful. Like, they know, like, not to come into my room, like, when I'm having therapy, but I'm always worried that they're gonna hear. And I know they don't, and they don't bring it up to me, but I'm like, I do feel like I do hold some stuff back because I'm still at my house and it's not like in a therapy room where it's literally just you and your therapist and you know, no one else is like hearing what you're saying. And even I'll do it when it's not stuff that like I need to hide from my parents. Like I don't need to hide how I feel in therapy
2: and I'll Uh close
1: my computer if I'm like watching Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just a common thing I do and I just like the privacy of therapy which i'm not as getting as much as i'm used to
2: i got it it's, it's just not the same thing even though it could get close like that privacy is, isn't there yeah
1: that and really like i really want to meet her in person because like she seems great but i don't like know <laughs> yeah have in person. <laughs>
2: yeah that's very true yeah um what about the recovery process so like you've just been uh seeing your therapist just for a little while but how has it been, you know? Um, do you feel yourself um, getting better or doing any exercises that might be helping you?
1: Yeah, so my recovery process, I, I feel like it's not, um, like, I never feel anymore that I'm gonna, like, get all the way better, and that's, like, hard to come to terms with, but i realize realized that I think my depression anxiety is always going to be a part of me and it just depends like if how it flares up because sometimes it will like flare up unexpectedly. And I, through therapy, I know how to better deal with it. But, um, so I never like tell myself that I'm going to like never have this and never struggle with it because I feel like that's kind of wishful thinking, but, um,
2: That's an interesting like, like, uh, like idea because, Do you think depression and anxiety is something anyone can ever get rid of?
1: Um, Honestly, I don't. Like, I feel like once you have it, like, I think it might always be a part of you. Just because I feel like it's something like, yeah, you take medicine. It helps, like, with the serotonin in your brain. But if you get off of it, like, what happens? Like, I don't know. I just think that once you're diagnosed, it is something that you deal with for the rest of your life but I feel like it could come to a point where you like barely ever have symptoms. And I think that's like something I've come to terms with. Like yeah. right now, like I'm having, I'm doing a lot better. Like I don't have as many symptoms, but it doesn't mean like, I don't think I'm still have to have depression. If that makes yeah. sense. So I've been the recovery process mostly for me. As like, I go to therapy once a week. Um, I have found, like, I get a lot better through, like, working out, which is honestly, I found surprising because when I'm going through, like, depressive episodes, like, that's the last thing I want to do, but um, I've been making myself, like, work out every day, and that makes me feel just so much happier, and it just, like, calms me down, and that's something that I've really found that I think is super helpful, and I've been, like, urging, like, other people i know of mental health i'm like please just try and work out for like 20 minutes and see how much better you feel because i never thought it helped me as much as it has
2: yeah that's awesome yeah um it seems that you know uh, working out helps you a lot are there other things that help with your depression anxiety um you're talking earlier about having that social support system um and i was curious like what's the role your siblings have played into it because uh Um. you your your brother, seems like, helped a lot earlier, so.
1: Yeah, so my oldest brother, Austin, and my second oldest brother, Zach, still live in Cincinnati, but my brother, Simon, has moved to San Diego, so he um, is the one closest to me. He's about five, he's five years older than me, so he is still, like, I know he's always there for me, but I tend to go to my middle brother, Zach, the most, just because he, I just feel like he understands me the most, because growing up, like, he's the one I told when I said I wanted to, like, kill myself, and Mm -hmm. ever since then, he's the one that, like, checks in on me, and when I started having, like, really bad anxiety in college my sophomore year, like, he would call me, like, every single day, like, after his job. And we would talk for, like, half an hour. And he would just ask me how I am. So, Oh,
2: that's so sweet. Yeah.
1: He's, like, a really big support system for me. And so is my oldest brother, Austin. But he's more, like, if I call him if I need something. And Zach is just, like, he calls me, like, every single day to ask how I am. And I like both aspects. Like, I'm grateful for both of them. And yeah. I'm grateful for my brother, Simon, who lives in San Diego, because, I can call him, and he just gets my mind off of it because he'll tell me, like, stories about him, like, being in San Diego and how awesome the beach is and gets my mind off of, like,
2: talking so about jealous. my problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great that you have, like, the three brothers that, have, like, work in, like, different ways. Yeah. Like,
1: everyone always asks me, like, who my favorite brother is and, like, which brother supports me the most. I'm like, well, they... All support me just in different ways. Like they don't all have like the same role in my life, and I'm very like thankful because like I'm super close with all three of them, and I know that's like I did not expect that being like the only girl in my family.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, has the social distancing like during the pandemic affected, um, you know your social support system? Not even with your brother, but brothers, but even like with your friends.
1: Yeah, so it was definitely really hard for me the first couple of weeks because I'm used to, like, going home, and now that I'm, like, 20 years old and my parents used to let me, I could pretty much just come and go as I please. So I was used to, like, being able to see my friends pretty much whenever I want and, like, my parents not having that big of a role, like, telling me what I can and can't do anymore. And once this all started happening, like – I wasn't allowed to go see my friends. I had yeah. to stop working altogether. And I pre- was pretty much just stuck at home. And I, I'm i glad that I, had a, I have a therapist through it because if I didn't, I think it would be a lot worse. But mm-hmm. I've talked to her, like, about how I feel. And, like, she suggested that, like, time a friend every night. And I have done that. And that has, like, made a difference, like, such a big difference for me because – I was getting, like, really, like, tired and, like, getting more of a depression kind of feeling because, like, I was, like, I can't talk to anyone that, like, is my age anymore. And, like, my parents, like, don't relate to what I'm going through. And it was such a stressful time in general. But once I started FaceTiming, like, one of my friends each night, I was, like, okay, like, everything's going to be fine. Like, I am going to see them again. And this won't last forever. And that's, like, helped me a lot get through this situation.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um so one thing you talked about earlier was difficult in being open when talking about mental health. Um mm-hmm. and it's great that you have a therapist and great friends, but what are your thoughts on, you know, the mental health conversation in college and how you know, maybe you've been impacted by that?
1: Um I definitely think that it needs to become more common for people to open up about their mental health because I feel like it holds a lot of people back because they're scared to tell someone that they really care about because they're afraid that's going to like change their opinion on them. And that's something that I used to struggle with before I told all my college friends about what I go through. But um, Mm -hmm. I think that, Just in college, I feel like everyone has the expectation that it needs to be, like, the best four years of their life. And so they do everything in their power to, like, make it look like they're having such a great time, even if they're really struggling. And I just, like, feel like people need to reach out more if they notice. And they're like, how are you doing? Like, how is everything going in your life? So people can stop, like, thinking that they have to be so happy all the time because college is, like – really stressful as i've realized in both academics and you're just like you're surrounded by so many people and you're just meeting so many people and like for me i didn't really know how to like deal with it at first but um i just think that people in college need to like reach out more to others if they know someone's troubling or even or just reach out in general because like i said i've seen some people that act like they're super happy and, like, living their best life, but they're actually, like, really struggling with some sort of mental illness.
2: That's beautifully said because I think people do have that expectation that this is supposed to be the best four years of your life. And even personally, I felt that pressure, you know, because whenever you feel down, like, say you're out and you're having a good time and then you just get that into, like, your feelings, it becomes that, like, you become so self-critical of yourself as, you know, why can't I be like that person or that dude who's just having a good time? You know, why do I have to, like, waste the time being sad almost? And especially with social media, just constantly, like, showing people when they're happy or people just not talking about when they're sad. It just makes us, everyone feel bad when they're not having a good time.
1: Yeah, and, like, I dealt with that, too, because when I uh, would meet people, like, this year, like, I told my roommates what I struggled with. Because, like, my one roommate already knew, but I had two other roommates in my sorority house, and they had no idea that I dealt with it. And one of them even said, like, oh, like, I see you, and, like, you always look like you're having such a great time. Like, I look at your Instagram, and, like, you look like you're, like, living, like, the dream. Like, I had no idea you were going through this stuff. And I was like, Yeah. yeah, like, people don't portray who they really are on social media. I feel like that's how it mostly goes.
2: Yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's this huge stigma about, you know, going through a rough patch. But this is the age. I mean, obviously, there are all you can get at all ages, but this is like the huge age where that there's a huge contrast. You know, you're not supposed to have your midlife crisis until later. You're not supposed to have all these issues when you have a job. You're living in college. And I think it's like we need to do a better job of creating that conversation that anyone can have this, you know, whether it's the yeah. dude who just, or the, the girl who just went to, you know, this spring breaking, you know, she might be dealing with something you don't even know about.
1: Yeah. And I've come more to realize, like, I have opened up more to my friends. Like people do sometimes party and look like they're having such a great time, like get rid of those feelings. And I definitely did some of that like this year because I was like, if I just keep having fun and, like, going out, like, this will all go away, and I, like, told my friends, and they're, they urged me, like, no, like, if you're not having fun, like, do not do that, because that's just not feel like a really bad habit to get yourself into.
2: Absolutely, like, I, I don't know what you feel about, you know, how independence, our, our newfound independence, you know, going into college can have an effect, especially yeah. being surrounded by alcohol and drugs, because, I feel like a lot of people who might not be able to cope turn to those methods to essentially, as you say, kind of like run away from it. Um, yeah.
1: That's something I for sure have done. And like, I have admitted it to people and I realized that like, yeah, like it's fine to go out, but if I catch myself doing it to, if I'm depressed and I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, like I need to take
2: a step back. Completely. Um, and something, uh, Actually, I was talking with Ronnie about this because I interviewed him last year. Um, oh, okay. He and I were talking about Greek life and how he started "Never Walk Alone" initially because Greek mm-hmm. life Greek life doesn't talk about these issues. And yeah. I know you're in a sorority, so what are your thoughts on how you know mental health runs in Greek life?
1: Um, so that's something that I've also like thought about a lot because. Greek life you have to and I'm not like bashing Greek life like I'm in Greek life. I obviously love it, but you definitely have to put on the like like mask that you I feel like are having like a really good life and that like you're really happy and um because everyone I know in Greek life like we all feel like that in a way and We, like, don't have a lot of programs in Greek life that talk about mental health in general. Like, we'll have maybe one a year, but I just don't think that's enough. And I'm, like, really thankful for my chapter because they implemented mental health skips. So you get, like, two skips a year if your mental health is just suffering and you can't go to the event that's required and you won't get a penalty. And I think that's like, awesome. But I feel like we need to talk about it more and not just give out these skips. Like, why are they skipping? Like, maybe we should more go into let's talk to them. And maybe these skips can lessen because people feel like they can talk to the people in the chapter more about their mental health and not be scared just to use a skip and like get out of it. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, completely. That makes sense. Just kind of like, you know, instead of just assuming something like that they're messing up, just like understand that there's most likely something else that's going on in their life and being there for them rather than punishing them.
1: Yeah. And like I said, we'll probably have like one program a year about mental health, but there definitely just needs to be more because Greek life, you have the expectation. Like there's just, an, I feel like, another added expectation because there's stereotypes about people in Greek life. And I feel like that's common. And um, I feel like that's why people in Greek life might need this help even more because they might be scared to, like, come out and say that they're feeling like this because (laughs) you're supposed to have through experience that if you're in your Greek life, you, like, love to party, like, you, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of stereotypes so people in Greek life might be scared to, like, open up about what they're going through.
2: Oh, I agree. Like, I, I think, you know, coming into college, even though I never was, like, that's actually one of the things that I wish I did in college is join Greek life. Because yeah. when I went into Greek life, those stereotypes were what I assumed it was going to be, rather than it just yeah. being normal kids that just want to join a community. It was just like, oh, these kids party, they don't, like, do anything else. And I think that's such a toxic thing. And, like, we're talking about a cultural shift because, you know, I bet, you know, other people in Greek life, just as you said, they probably feel like they're the only ones that are dealing with such serious issues and they don't want to ruin the fun or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, so I just um, think that there needs to be more talk in Greek life just in general because, like, everyone's going through something even if it's not mental illness. Like, everyone struggles with something and I feel like it just needs to be more of the norm to, like, talk about what you're feeling like in terms of Greek life because we have so many... Chances, like, every chapter has, like, a uh, chapter meeting, like, once a week. So I feel like if you just give people a chance to talk during that about what they're going through,
2: like, it could just make a world of a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, and this is a little bit of a personal question. I was just curious because yeah. I've heard um, a lot of people, you know, you, you talk talking about, like, your Catholic faith or your Catholic, yeah. the, coming from a Catholic background. And I've heard some people when they go through mental health stuff, they go away from the religion, other people go more towards the religion. so I was curious has this how has this affected your relationship with your faith um
1: so definitely, in middle school i when all of this first started happening, I like was turning away just because I didn't really like. I was still super young, like, I didn't really have a deep relationship with my, with God, or, like, my faith in general back then anyway, so I was, like, in the mindset of, like, oh, if God was real, like, why would he put me through this, and all that, but once I got to high school and college, I was, like, God, like, gave this to me because he knew I could handle it, and that just made me think, like, a lot better about myself, actually, and gave me such a better relationship with my faith because I was like, he, my God knows I'm strong. So he knows I can get through this. So that's helped me like <clears throat> a lot to like
2: that's not awesome. think
1: that God yeah. is like punishing me or something.
2: That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Like that it <laughs> that, that must have helped you to be like, okay, I'm, this is like the purpose of this in my life and I can, and, and now I can wrap, you know, understand why I have this, you know? Rather than yeah. just being like, why, why, did, why do I have to deal with this? No, why me?
1: Yeah, and how I can help others because my mental illness has, ins- like, stra- like, inspired me to like go into the career path I'm going into, and I feel like that's helped me strengthen my faith too because I'm like, okay, yeah. like, this all has like a big purpose, and I'm trying, I'm
2: kind of figuring out what it is. Absolutely, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um. So, some people listening to this episode may be going through something similar to you. What helpful or guiding words would you tell them?
1: Um, I would just tell them that they need to find one thing, one person, just one thing in their life that they want to live for. And um, it could literally be anything. Like, in high school and in middle school, when I was going through this, I literally told myself before I went to bed, I would wake up and get out of bed for my dog because I love my dog and my dog like was such a great comfort for me. So it wasn't anything like super special. And Mm -hmm. I just think that like someone needs to, they need to find one thing in their life and keep living for it because, um, I just feel like people need to realize like how much potential they have in life and they have so much to succeed for. And that, like their illness does not need to define that what kind of life that they are going to end up living in the future and yeah. that someone does love you, even if it doesn't feel like it, because like I've been there before too, but I've realized that so many people love me and that's helped me get through so much stuff.
2: You really said, like, I, I feel like a lot of people will you can easily just self-criticize themselves and be like, why would anyone like you love you? But yeah. there's so many. Yeah. yeah. Even
1: if you don't think, even it might be someone that you've never even thought, but someone does like care about you.
2: Absolutely. And for other people who may not have gone through something similar, like what would you tell them?
1: Um, I just feel like a lot of people just growing up in like the society we grew up in with so much social media, there's such a big stigma around mental health and I see like a lot of jokes about it and I know I don't get mad at the people but I just hope that people understand like depression is not just like being sad one day and then like waking up and you're fine like it's a feeling that I can it's kind of really hard to describe honestly but you just feel like hopeless for like days on end and um I just hope that people who aren't going through this know not to make jokes about it or say how, like, depressed they are. Or, like, I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, that was so hard. I'm just going to, like, go kill myself because, like, you don't know who you're saying that joke to. You don't know how that's going to affect someone because, like, you might be telling that joke to someone that, like, actually has thought about killing themselves in the past. And you don't know how that's going to make them feel.
2: So Absolutely. And I, just I, I urge I,
1: people to watch their words, pretty much.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people just think it's dark humor or harmless. So, you know, as you said perfectly, like, some people might be going through that. And because we don't have that conversation, as well as many people do, you know, the person you say to, it might trigger them in a certain way.
1: Yeah, so I just feel like everyone needs to, like, just... Watch what they say and like think about it before they say it because they don't know how that's going to affect
2: someone in their life. Absolutely, and so yeah. Um, so the final question. Um, okay. Introduce yourself. Who are you?
1: Okay, um, I'm Rachel Gamble. I am a psychology major at Ohio State, but I'm on a track of becoming a pre-nurse practitioner, and um, I'm in Never Walk Alone, and I'm in a sorority. And I am a junior now at school. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming and talking with us. I really love talking to you about this.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this week's story and want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to us and give us a positive review. If you would like to share your mental health journey, make sure to contact me at rola.3 at osu.edu. Additionally, Hidden in Plain Sight is looking to talk with people about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected them. If you are a health professional fighting on the front lines, someone who has been diagnosed or have had a loved one diagnosed with coronavirus, or a student who has experienced unemployment and job insecurity, or just have a story about how the pandemic has affected you, Make sure to contact us so we can have a conversation about you and your experiences. We want to share your voice. Thank you once again for listening, and I'll see you back next week.